He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis, the number one show at, at 5 o'clock, Cats at Night. And uh, this is a TriCast. We're on WABC Radio dot uh, com seven seventy on your dial uh, w l i r out of long island and nine seventy a m the answer out of new york and in the studio with us today it's a friday we have a republican and a democrat we have ed cox ten years the chairman of the uh, GOP in New York State. Welcome, Ed. Good to be here. Thank God it's Friday. I think the governor would agree and I the, totally and agree. David Patterson governor. It's great to be here, John, and I served with uh, Ed Cox when he's chair of the Republican Party, and it was probably the first time that the two parties actually worked on things without trying to kill each other. <laughs> and I don't have a sidekick today. I have nobody kicking me, but I understand Lydia is on the line someplace. Lydia, are you in? Yep, I'm here, and um, I'm not there because my daughter had a bad ear infection, but she's on the road to recovery. That's she's what happens that when you're five or six years old. I know. She's got that pink medicine. It tastes like bubble gum, thank God. Uh, but we have a great show for everyone today. It's Friday, but we're keeping on working. We're going to be speaking with Larry Kudlow, Father Alex, who just was uh, bestowed an incredible honor upon him, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, Dr. Peter Mikolos. It looks like there's some new COVID CDC recommendations for right here in New York City. Francisco Marte, of the he's the founder of the Bodega and Small Business Association. We're going to talk about that Bodega worker and what's going on the latest there. But first on the line, we have And Dina don't forget Martin. Larry Kudlow. How can you forget Larry Kudlow? No, she Kudlow? started with Larry Kudlow. Oh, did you? Yes. Oh, yes, my God. See, I'm getting forgetful. Maybe I'm getting old. <laughs> oh, no. Of course I start with Larry Kudlow. And then, but now we have Dina Martin on the line. She's a legend. Uh, in in it of her on her own, and she's the daughter of Dean Martin, and uh, it's a one year anniversary of her show. It's incredible. Everybody loves somebody sometime. <laughs> Dina, we love you. It's your well, one year anniversary, and you're doing a special on on Sunday night. Tell us about it. Oh yeah, so you know my handsome husband. Well, you know he's he's my producer. But, you know, we do Dean and Dina Martin's Sunday Nightcap, and it is so much fun. We play the best music in the world, but it is our one-year anniversary. And we did the show, and we love doing theme shows. You know, last week we had our Fourth of July show. But I can't believe, John, that we've been part of the WABC radio family for a year now. See what happens when you're having fun? Yeah, absolutely having so much fun. And everybody there, you know, all your shows are so great. But it's we're playing, you know, fabulous music. And this show is going to be super special because it is our anniversary show. And, and Dina, I mean, everybody loved your father. Oh, yeah. uh, give us some, you know, give us some special stories uh, just to intrigue our audience. And, and you always give out some special stories on uh, on Sunday night uh, about your dad. Uh, tell us what, tell us yeah, what you remember yes, best I about do. Well, first of all, he was just so, he was so cool. Well, you know, he was the king of cool, you know, and I know, I think I told you that Elvis Presley is the one who told me that my dad was the king of cool when I was wow. a little girl. Yeah. I went to Paramount with my dad when he was doing a movie and Elvis was there and he came riding up on his bicycle. He got off. He said, you know, he said, hi. Did to he my ask dad. you to marry him or anything? 
Well, not yet, no. Later on in life he did. I was only nine, John. (laughs) I was nine years old. But he said, you know, Dina, he took my little hand in his. He said, Dina, you know, they call me the king of rock and roll, but your dad is the king of cool. Oh, I almost melted. Oh, can you believe it? It was Elvis Presley told me that. Because wow. he adored he adored my dad, but there was something just so great about uh, you know Dean Martin. He was just, as I say, the the coolest guy. He was funny and sweet, and he told me uh, he told me one time he said, "Nadina, do you know why I work?" I said, "Why?" He said, "So I can take care of all you kids and play golf." <laughs> he he loved to play golf. How many brothers he, and sisters did you have? Oh my gosh, there's seven of us. Wow. Yeah, Craig, Claudia, Gail, Dina, Dino, Ricky, Gina. And uh, you know, so it was it was quite a beautiful home in Beverly Hills on Mountain Drive. You know, we had, you know, that tennis court, you know, Pancho Segura and Pancho Pancho Gonzalez. Pancho Segura, those were great tennis players. Oh yeah. That was a great were... era, the tour. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, my brother Dean Paul, you know, he was in Wimbledon. He played with Jimmy Connors and Arthur Ashe all the time. On our court, so it was quite uh, quite something growing up uh, in, uh, in 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 Dean Martin's house. I'll tell you that always fun. And, and uh, I remember me and you talking about how how your father was abnormally affected the death of your brother. Oh yes, well you know that's not supposed to happen. That you know you're you're supposed to outlive uh, you know your um, your kids are supposed to outlive you. You know, and Dino was, Dean Paul, he was, a, you know, a, a captain. He was in the Air National Guard. And he, you know, he loved to fly. And, and he was, you know, it was, he was an amazing human being. He had just finished uh, doing his uh, new TV show. And, uh, you know, so he was, he was really going places. And it was, uh, but he was doing what he, he enjoyed. And he told me, he said, Dina, because I was interested in learning how to to fly, and he was, you know, he helped me. He he taught me. But he said, Dina, remember always that when you look up in the sky, he's I'll be up there protecting you. And because he was in the, you know, Air National Guard, and it just wasn't supposed to happen. What you happened? Know, he um, he was going out. In fact, he took my uh, my niece, his son Alex, out to watch him. They were going out for maneuvers. I think it was March Air Force Base, and um, eight planes took off, four planes took off. And, uh, you know, Dino was so proud that his son was there to watch him, and they vectored him into uh, a mountain. It was, you know, it was starting to rain and snow, and it was uh, it was horrible. We couldn't find out what happened to him for, for a long time, and it was just really uh, amazing, you know, but it, it just killed my dad. You know that's not supposed to happen, and uh, you know Dino was just so full of life. Any any uh, things that it might have been intentional, anything like that? No, not at all. No, I wouldn't think so. You know that's uh, and he, you know, his co-pilot and everything. It was just just a horrible accident on you know the wrong day. They probably shouldn't even have been uh, flying, but he was. It was uh, he was vectored that way, and I'm so sorry. And you know, especially you know, I'm a pilot, and uh, you know, and now our. Uh, our grandson, Hunter, he's uh, just become a second lieutenant. He's a Marine now. He's 22 years old. And, uh, you know, so he's he's going to take care of our country. And it kind of runs in the family, I guess. I quit flying uh, when my daughter was born and my son was born. Yeah. I had 4,000 hours of and mostly oh a lot of jet time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, well, I, we, I haven't flown in a in a, a couple of years. We have our our plane. We have a, a Q10, or, you know, a Cessna 310, 
and uh, but it's been having its annual for two years. But, uh, you know, there's something about flying. It's not about the destination. John, if I were you, I'd consider going back because I think driving in New York City is the hardest thing to do now. Oh, no, and I know. <laughs> a lot of accidents and oh, yeah. all and, sorts and of ways of, you can you know, have and, them. And, the, uh, and all of, uh, you know, some of our plans were canceled because the flights are delayed and, you know, canceled or they're just not happening. And so we couldn't get to where we were supposed to. Uh, I had a, a, a show a couple of weeks ago. We couldn't get there, but, you know, so you have to cancel things. But, you well, know. I, I started the company that eventually became Jet, NetJets. I started that company, and I got to fly a lot of a lot of jets. Wow, so that was you. Yes. I didn't know you started that. Oh, well, my gosh. I have a lot of friends who are pilots, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's I love flying. It I really love flying, is. too. I used to love to go out on a cloudy day and once you go above the clouds, the, the sun always shines somewhere up there and above X, X altitude. Yeah, that, yeah, no, it, it's true. Oh, my gosh. You, and I, I just still remember, you know, my first solo flight, you know, my first cross country. It was, you know, very I tried it three times. but the. You know, I the remember my first cross country. You do? I, I was at 10,000 feet above Boston. Yeah. And... and I made the mistake and looked at the, the seat where the co-pilot is supposed to be in on my <laughs> and I said, "Holy cow!" A sweat oh, came yeah. over my 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 head, and I said, "Holy cow! I'm up here by myself, and yeah. I'm the only one that could bring this down." Yeah. And um, that comes you, then you have a reality check. Oh yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. And I was so happy when I got back because I I left from uh, Santa Monica and I went up to Santa Inez, landed there couple times it seems you know she's she's here she's okay anyways and then i went back landed you know at santa monica i got out of the plane and i kissed the tarmac i was i did the same thing (laughs) i did well me and you will have to have a long discussion but we're we're coming up on a break and i want to say thank you for coming on and your special eight eight o'clock on uh, new york time on on sunday night the dina martin uh um show and uh And uh, it's the one-year anniversary, and you're going to do some extra uh, special things and talk extra, about your dad, too. Extra special. And so, you know, so we have a lot of nice things. And, and give my love to Larry Kudlow, okay? I will. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. All right. Kiss everybody for me. You got it. Okay. Bye-bye, John. Bye-bye. Thank you. And, uh, guys, I, I think Larry's going to come up in a, uh, in a little while. But uh, let's talk amongst ourselves. Uh, uh, David, uh, tell us. Where, where the heck is Alvin Bragg? Because you know, you're supposed to, you're supposed to bring him in for a uh, interview. Well, I I wanted to. Communication seemed to have broken down between uh, myself and that office, but communication seemed to have broken down in that office generally because I don't I cannot remember. And I asked Governor Pataki when he was here last night, and he couldn't remember when was the last time someone was charged with first degree murder, which is so hard to prove. So. You know, to the worker who had to go through that ordeal on Rikers Island and his family and all the people who support him, don't worry. No jury will ever convict this person uh, for that crime. I'd be curious to hear how um, uh, Ed Cox feels about this. But my feeling is that if someone jumps over a counter and is coming at you, that has created self-defense. And if you go farther than you should have gone... I mean, if someone's on the ground and they're uh, 
barely alive, and then you step on them and that kind of thing. That would be one thing. But yeah. in this situation, he's got to disable the other person. He's got to fight until he does. He's 61 years old. He was slapping him around. He was, he was 60... slapping him around. Yeah, it, he, was, the, he wasn't just, he didn't guy, just the, jump the, over the, the counter. The guy's he life was, was in danger. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's he thought 61 years old. The other guy was much bigger than him. And was he, young. He was, what, 20, something like the he young He was guy? in his mid-30s. 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 And, and that was exactly what should have happened. And um, and I have no well, idea. Eric Adams, who I had him on, on the show this morning, on Bernie and Sid's show this morning, Mayor Adams, uh, he had the courage to stand up. And we're going to have a little bit of a clip later on. But but right now, I understand somebody's calling in. Uh, we have, we Fran- have a Man, who do Francisco, have? Yes. Francisco Marte. He is the founder of the Bodega and Small Business Association. And they have found that crime among bodegas and small businesses, small grocery stores is up 80% across New York City, specifically uh, in Upper Manhattan and the Bronx. Francisco, I, I mean, seeing that video, were you surprised to see that, number one? And number two, are you shocked, like the rest of the country, that Jose Alba was charged with murder when he was simply trying to defend his life? Yes, yes, that's that's that really shocked me when I when I when I see that. That's why I went uh, to get his family to contact him and give it the support. That's why even I went there and I signed to get him out because that's crazy. And he's not 51; he's 61 years old. So he's an old and weak man, and you can see uh, how how the way that he, the, the the way that the guy threw him throw him through the floor, he couldn't broke his neck. And then when he's and you can see how calm he was there. He was saying, "I don't want no problems. I don't want no problems. I don't want no problem, please." And then when he grabbed him um, to drag him to drag him out, that's when. He has a um, thing that he feels that his life wasn't is, uh, on 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 dangerous. So it's a it's a it's a uh, on instinct to that to defend himself. So he grabbed the knife, and and he's defending himself. That's a self defense. And the way that he was, and the way that the people once that the people get in behind the counter, you are already in the private place. You don't if you don't belong there. There is already um, my life. If I'm behind the counter and I somebody walk like that, my life is already in, uh, in danger. I know the, you're, you're absolutely the, right. He should, he had every right to defend himself, and I would have grabbed anything that was within hand reach, whether it was a whether it's a gun or whether it's a knife or whether it's a baseball bat, and to defend myself. Yes, you have to defend yourself. And the way and the worst thing was when I saw the. That, that he was charged with a second degree murders and and with a bail so high, I said, how come that this um, DA that I believe is our worst DA that we have, he be awarding the criminal with the freedom, and then he want to clean to clear the the jails, taking out the criminal and bringing in the hardworking people. Come on, we can we cannot live like that. We have to work hard to get the public safety back to make the people, the store owner, um, safe. That we are giving service to the community. We are serving our community, and we have proved that in the worst time, uh, we be there and serving the community. So we need the public safety back. We need the police to be able to do their jobs. Um, well, Governor Patterson? Well, Mr. Marte, um, 
this may be a small consolation, but I guarantee you no jury will ever convict that worker. It will never happen. And and thank God it's all on film. So the yeah. film is there. It's clear who was the assailant. It's clear that that person behind the counter did not want to fight, and the other fellow yeah, was going went, after him. He went to jail, and the 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 the, the other woman that stabbed him got home. Got went home for dinner. Yes, yes, and he was and he was he was having you know he he got injuries. And they they don't even clean words the 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 the, the, the injuries that he has in jail. He was doing himself with hot water, so he was getting he was afraid to get infection. When I was here, I I spent with him the afternoon today in his house, and that's crazy how you can see that big big uh, cut that he has on his arm, um, clear like that, like you know, like like uh, ready to get infection. I show my goodness. That's crazy. That's Francisco why I, I don't. Mar- I, don't I, you see, I feel. I feel good that I was able to sign for him to get out, so he can be in the house. Because he said I didn't know him, but you can see he's a soft-spoken guy, and he's you know he's a weak guy. He's not a problem, guys. Uh, for, well, again, we're speaking with Francisco Marte. He's the founder of the Bodegan Small Business Association, and he helped get out of jail. Uh, Jose Alba, the man that stabbed to death somebody because he was defending his life. Now, is is Jose Alba afraid for his life? Because I'm hearing that the guy that jumped over the counter, he's a career criminal. He was paroled early. He has a really violent rap sheet. He had assaulted a police officer. His family is now causing a ruckus. And Jose just lives a couple of blocks away from the bodega where the police are now stationed for protection. So I'm sure Jose, is is he worried now for his his safety and, and for his family's safety? Yes, he does, and yes, and and it was no police. It was nobody outside but the 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 press in front of the house. Um, he had, you know, he'd be afraid. He can. He was saying that he's not gonna come out of the, from the house because, um, you know, he he's afraid he can get a, he he doesn't know if he can get a jump from some of those of those guy or the friend of this guy. He he was a real criminal that he was out. Um, not too long ago, he was in jail, and that's okay. the type of people that they, that that our DRs and DA want to have out. That's the people that he want to take it out from from the jail, so the jail doesn't be that congested. Come on. Well, Francisco Marte, thank you for defending all the small business peoples. Thank you so much. And anytime you want to say what you mean and, and tell me what you're emotional about, we'll, we'll put you on WABC and a million people will listen to you. Thank you very much. And I will launch a campaign that I'm trying to launch uh, has been a little hard. That say we support the community and the NYPD. We need better communication. And, we, and I want to, to bring that sticker to put in five or 10,000 in store saying we support the NYPD. We need a better communication. And we need our yes. and we're there, elected leaders. We're there, we're there right next to you. We'll be yelling and screaming together. Thank you, sir. Thank I will you. let you know when I launch the, 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 the campaign. Thank you. And uh, uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we have Larry Kudlow. What the heck is going on in the economy? Common Sense Recap of the Day's Biggest Stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. 
This is Cats at Night. John Cats and Matiti's here, and uh, the number one show at five o'clock. And uh, uh, with us today is uh, Larry Cudlow. Larry Cudlow, the number one economist in the country, the number one show on Fox uh, Business. Uh, Larry, we, we got any more accolades we can give you? <laughs> no, John. It's now, where's the cavalry? Oh no, not that. Coming. Rinchantin is in the front. You know, the cavalry can't come soon enough because one of the worst things this week was this um, this new uh, a new deal being negotiated by Chuck Schumer uh, with Joe Manchin. Maybe I don't know. Manchin hasn't signed on to it yet, but it's a trillion dollars in extra spending and a trillion dollars in higher taxes on business. And I can't think of a worse thing to do right now or, frankly, any other time. The tax hikes are going to be put on the small business pass-throughs, LLCs, and so forth, uh, corporations, minimum taxes, uh, 15% minimum tax on a book basis that's going to do so much damage to corporate profits and jobs and wages. And then, of course, all this spending, they still want about a trillion dollars in spending, uh, which will add to inflation. The tax hikes would uh, deepen the recession that I still fear. And it's just the worst story this week. And that's why the cavalry can't come soon enough for my taste. Larry Ed Cox here. Do you think that we are actually in the middle of a, at the start of a recession now in that the first quarter was down and this quarter could very well be down and you guys are officially in a recession. One second, something just happened? What the, the uh, newsroom? Breaking news, WABC. Lydia, is there breaking news? That's right. Elon Musk, he has sent a letter terminating his $44 billion deal for Twitter, citing material breach of multiple provisions of the agreement. So, again, Elon Musk sending a letter terminating his $44 billion deal to buy Twitter. Wow. John, the door's open. Let's buy Twitter now. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, if, it's, if it's $44 billion drachmas, I can handle. <laughs> Larry, what do you think? Uh, it's an interesting piece of news, but I got to tell you, I don't think we've heard the end of this story. I don't think so. You're probably right. I mean, I I think uh, uh, Elon wants to control the feed, but it did hurt him. Larry, it did hurt him a lot. Uh, uh, His stock went from 1,100 down to 700, as low as 600. Uh, Give or take, that's $100 billion. Besides, you know, and and Twitter was only forty four billion, so somebody was punishing him. But he cashed out at the top. He took a lot out. He did take some, but yeah. after taxes, is it a lot? Yeah, well, he he's can't had... even just pay the one billion dollar breakup fee and walk away. They're going to bring him to court and probably sue him for breach of contract. I think we should have a fundraiser for Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> right. The guy, uh, you know, he didn't pay his fair share, David. He only paid eleven billion right, in taxes exactly. last year. Only eleven billion. That's what Bernie But you was know, right. I, I felt all along that w- one of the things here is Elon wanted a cheaper price, a much cheaper price. I mean, look, Twitter. I don't really think Twitter is a viable entity, so I don't know where this leads Twitter. And so I think there's going to be price adjustments. That's why I'm. Is it true Larry Cudlow's been censored? 
We <laughs> lost Larry. We lost Larry. I'm sure Uh-oh. we'll get him back. Another voice of freedom crushed out. It's a shame. <laughs> well, this afternoon, I interviewed... Uh, 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 De- is it Devin Nunes, the uh, congressman that's running Donald Trump's uh, uh, Twitter-type uh, feed? And uh, we're asking her, uh, we're going to play it on Sunday on our Cats Roundtable. And that was an interesting conversation. Ah, look forward to that. Larry, uh, did they censor you? No free speech here. <laughs> <laughs> Conservative censorship on WABC, my favorite radio station. My God, <laughs> what is this world coming to? But anyway, just to complete the thought before we got cut off, um, I don't think Twitter is a viable company. That's point number one. Therefore, I don't know where they're going to go unless they slash the price of the deal and make some out-of-court settlement. Now, I could be very wrong, but I'm just speculating on this. I still think Elon wants it, and I still think he wants to prove his point about free speech being a viable business uh, plan. But we'll see. I mean, I don't know. We will see. So, Larry, declining the offer is really part of the negotiation to Elon Musk. Could be, could be. I, you know, I kind of think so, Governor. Um, I, I'm not a thousand percent sure, but Elon's a very crafty guy, and um, he's got some strong people behind him. And you know, John is right. I mean, his his company stock has gone down; it's cost him a lot of money. Uh, all those stocks have gone down quite a bit. But um, I don't think we've heard the last of it. That's all I know. And again, I want to repeat my view: this is no time to be jacking up taxes on either large or small companies. This is no time to do that. So um, that's why I can't wait for the cavalry to come. (laughs) You know, Friday afternoon, at least we're having some fun. You you need a little bit of smiles. When the bugle goes, when I do cavalry and the bugle goes off, uh, what is the expression on Governor Patterson's face? He's about to cry. <laughs> I'm 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 crestfallen, Larry. I don't know what's happened. I mean, what you said right in the beginning of this conversation is further uh, injection of uh, money into the economy is exactly what got us here in the first place. Right. And now we're going to fight fire by starting another fire. I don't think that's going to yeah. happen. It's not going to work. I have to agree with you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't work. And I'm not even going to complain the next time we play the bugle. It's a, it's a, no, but in economic terms, it's terrible. I think um, this alleged deal, and at the moment, by the way, they're still negotiating uh, nearly all of it. Um, if it goes to the House, I think it's going to run into a lot of problems because uh, all the left-wing crazies are going to add taxes. They're going to want to add spending. And uh, that will never pass the Senate. And the other point I want to make is uh, uh, person cinema as opposed to tax hikes, particularly business tax hikes. She said so many times. So I'm not so sure it goes through. But I'm just saying if it were to go through, it would be very negative for the economy. Larry Kudlow, did you see happened? I know you were busy working all day on your number one rated show on Fox Business, but President Biden it, talk about gaffes during his uh, speech today about the executive order regarding abortion rights. I mean, he literally had a Ron Burgundy moment where he said, end of quote, 
repeat that line. And instead of saying pregnancy, it's, instead of saying pregnancy, he said terminate this presidency. I wish the teleprompter <laughs> operator, he did. I swear to God, this is true. I wish the teleprompter operator would have put in there, I am unfit to serve as the president. I resign effective immediately. I mean, what do you make of this? You went from a, an administration where Trump, my goodness, talk about sharp, talk about alert. He never needed a prompter. And now we've got a president that the world is laughing at us. Well, two things. One is... uh when he said repeat that, we, we did play that clip when he said repeat that uh, from the teleprompter. And the second point I would make is, look, he, he's David Patterson's friend. He's not my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't do anything. I didn't he do was Alphonse D'Amato's uh, best man in his wedding. Well, look, uh, when I did know... Joe Biden used to come on my old CNBC show uh, whenever he was running for president. So he was a regular on the show. Uh, He was a that was a joke. He was a different guy than he is today. Uh, I don't think he knew much about policy, but he was a nice guy with a great sense of humor. uh, And he was very nice to, you know, other people, including yours truly. The person we see today is not the Joe Biden that I knew uh, in the first, um, you know, 10 years or so. Of this new century. This and Larry, in 1994, when he was very instrumental in the introduction of the crime bill, if you read his comments, you would think he was a conservative. Well, you're right, by the way. I accept that view. And look, he, he was originally, when he came to the Senate, a pro-life senator. Okay? So now they want to generate a piece of legislation that will never go through. Uh, that would, uh, he says it would codify Roe v. Wade. It would do no such thing. What it would do is extend and expand uh, that law so that you would go a full nine months or more uh, on a legal abortion. And that's not where the country is. I mean, the country basically says yes in the first trimester, which is what Mississippi was all about, 15 weeks, but no to the second trimester and absolutely not to the third trimester. So Joe Biden has changed his views on that uh, also, and it's a shame. Uh, But look, he's very unpopular. Uh, They are going to get clobbered in November. But I just am very concerned about this build back smaller legislation Uh, because, look, what's small? A trillion dollars of spending and taxing is not really small. It's only small in relation to the five or six trillion that Biden wanted in the first place. So I think we should stop this, and uh, my hope is it will eventually get stopped. Well, Larry Kudlow, uh, we have a minute left. Anything else you want to tell America? I just want to say this. Um, uh, I knew Prime Minister Abe very, very well. Uh, As director of the NEC, I was the Sherpa for all the international meetings, UN, G7, G20. He came to the White House for lunch with the president. I attended those meetings. He was a wonderful man. Uh, he was a true Japanese patriot. He was absolutely uh, Trump's best pal among the world leaders. Uh, and he loved America. He was absolutely loyal to America and um, was a tremendous force for the good in Japan. And Larry, and you could say, Ed Cox, you could say the same for his father. 
and his yes. grandfather. They were yes. a family that was loyal to Japan, but the best friends that America could have. Kishi, his grandfather, was a prime minister, and his father was chairman of the party when I met him there, and he was also foreign minister. His I grandfather know. wanted him to become the prime minister. He wanted to and never quite got there, but certainly the uh, the president, uh, the present Abe did get there, and he was in a line of a great family uh, in I Japanese mean, I, politics. I think, I think Japan will remain our bedrock ally uh, despite his uh, horrible passing. Um, but I just think it's a tragedy because I think he had another chapter in him, not necessarily as prime minister, but as a world diplomat. You know, he he was the guy who coined the phrase and really started the movement uh, to, uh, now called Indo-Pacific. And yep. he did that. that yeah, he knew what he was doing uh, with Trump uh, against China, okay? And I will add Australia into that mix because Australia is another great, great, uh, implacable American ally uh, in that part of the world. Uh, so he was a tremendous statesman and a patriot. And I also say, I'm going to tell you personally, um, I got to be very friendly with him. Uh, back in 2018, um, I met him at the G7 meeting. I was this, this now famous picture of me uh, taking notes and, and mitigating the G7 communique because none of those other guys talked to each other. But after I had my little cardiac episode, which fortunately turned out to be um, low-key stuff, not perilous, nonetheless, for the next three years, every time I saw the prime minister, whether I, I bumped up against him at the UN one time, we were crossed paths, uh, of course, all the various bilateral meetings, he always came up to me, put his hand out and said, how are you feeling in English? OK, he doesn't have to do that, but he did that. And I just think that's another mark of greatness. And I remember him very, very fondly. And I did a riff about it on a show tonight. And um, may God watch over him and may he rest in peace. Amen. Well Amen. said, Larry. Larry Cudlow, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. And uh, you're on WABC every Saturday between 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock on WABCradio.com, uh, 770 on the uh, dial, and uh, uh, on your uh, iPhones at, uh, at 77WABC. Thank you so much, Larry. Thanks, John. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, uh, there was Medal of Freedoms Awards in Washington yesterday, and a good friend of ours and godfather of my children, Father Alex Karlutzis, was one of the recipients. And we're going to hear what it was like in the White House and uh, what it was like uh, to get the Medal of Freedom. Let's take that break. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show, where you'll never know what's going to happen, and you'll always have the latest and greatest breaking news. And now, what an honor. I don't think I've ever had the pleasure of actually speaking to someone who has been bestowed the Presidential Medal of Freedom, Father Alex Carlusis. He's the former Vicar General for the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of America. What incredible work. I know, Father Alex, you have done so much good, whether it be COVID, you help people all over the world, not only the state and the country. So it, it just was thrilling to see you finally getting that recognition you so deserve. 
Well, I don't know about deserve. You're very kind, Lydia. I don't deserve that. I look at this as amazing grace and a blessing. You know, um, when when one serves, you don't look at the end of the day for kind of affirmation that comes uh, with having the highest honor in the United States, which probably being the greatest country in the world is probably the highest honor in the world. And I'm very humbled by it, uh, like uh, John or you. Uh, you come from Albania, John, from Greece, and so many others. But this is a celebration of America. And that's what was a, an amazing experience yesterday. My wife, we've been at the White House, so John's been with us and others. Some, You know, a lot of power games, a lot of money, a lot of uh, politics. But that was really a celebration. of the, If you look at all the different people from different parts of life, and that's what I was thinking, the, what the president talked about, possibilities. And uh, so, I mean, everything is possible in America. You work hard, you serve hard, uh, you love hard, you pray hard, and miracles like this happen, and I'm very grateful to the Lord and grateful to uh, President uh, Biden. I can assure you that I've known President Biden for 40 years. Um, he's the same man. There's a lot of politics everywhere. Uh, but I got it. I was getting phone calls and messages from people that were strong Trump supporters, people that worked in the Bush administration, the Reagan administration, people that worked in the Obama administration. For some reason, there was more civility in saying, Father Alex, this is a great honor, the greatest honor of the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And it was a, there was no political acrimony. And. Um, I think that that's a very important thing that you and John and all the radio stations, me as a priest, others as political leaders, we need to find uh, the common ground in this country because uh, common ground comes from people with common sense, and we need to do that. I'm very concerned. I, I was thinking about it. There were people from different backgrounds, diverse traditions, they differed in their political philosophies. All that was basically there yesterday. and uh, But they all came to the United States of America, not the different states from Europe or Africa or Asia. So I like the fact of a United States where we can sit and discuss uh, civilly uh, about this whole uh, matter of, of political life. But yesterday was a great celebration of freedom. And it was uh, very humbling for me, I've got to tell you. And I'm the proud godfather of John's uh, two uh, children. And uh, I think that they, too, were happy there was a Greek-American uh, who was honored and happens to be their godfather. And I know that John works to be an example. I try to be a, the best example, best priest I could be. And, and, and Father Alex, you also got to talk about that. You also got the uh, uh, didn't you get a a, a, a medal or, or whatever they, from the patriarch, uh, the highest uh, possible one from the church, the uh, Greek Orthodox Church. Yeah, I, I am the highest ranking priest in the Greek Orthodox world, and I have the privilege of being probably the closest priest to the Ecumenical Patriarch. Very honored by Archbishop Elbidophos. Recently, that uh, was St. Nicholas National Shrine. That was a highlight, John, I've got to say that. And then about a month ago, the Prime Minister of Greece surprised me and gave me the highest honor of the Greek government. I don't know what's going on. It's like, a, 
must be a eulogy happening somewhere. But all <laughs> well, the only thing left is safe. My life. You're supposed to be dead. John told me the other day, he says, when I was on the front cover of Newsday, he goes, you know, normally this happens only when you die. You got Father Alex is there. So John Zariah. <laughs> and uh, Ed, uh, Ed Cox, did you congratulate Father Alex? Absolutely. Congratulations, Father Alex. And I heard you built a great church out on Long Island, too, didn't you? You didn't come light a candle well, yet. Well, I have you. Well, you know what? People don't know. I've got to tell you a little bit, Ed, because I knew you knew uh, Ronald Reagan very well and yeah. and, um, and George Bush. One of the things that John Certainly and I both. worked on together was the chapel at Camp David. Uh, when uh, uh, Ronald Reagan gave permission for a chapel to be built non-denominational, and we had to raise the money. So when you're raising money in the Greek community, you always go one of the great philanthropists, I asked John and Margo, and we were there when uh, George Herbert Walker Bush accepted the chapel at Camp David. And if you go to Camp David, you'll see John and Margo's name there and Andrea's name, I believe, right, John, didn't you? Andrea, I think, has the with the library at the chapel. That's wonderful. They, that's yeah, right. that, you know, that's where Trish and I spent our honeymoon. Yeah, well, it's cheap honeymoon. I'm you, so yeah, Camp it David. was. So Camp, Camp David, uh, if you go there, you'll see the name of uh, John and Margot Katsimatidis, Andrea, and Father Alex Inksanti, because I was the major fundraiser for that, as I was for St. Nicholas National Shrine, the one, our church in the Hamptons. And John was there when Pope Francis and the Ecumenical Patriarch met in uh, the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem. I was there and with you. I, raised, I was there with John. Yes. That's right. And what a I moment. What an experience. To yes. restore the Holy Sepulchre. I raised that money to restore the Holy Sepulchre. So all of these things I've been very blessed to do, but I didn't do them for the love of power. I did it for the power of love. And I think... We need to do a lot more loving and forget about all this power stuff. That's what I think. Amen. Father Alex uh, Carluzos, thank you so much for everything you've done for our city, our state, our country, the world, the patriarchy. Uh, there's a list about a mile long, and uh, and uh, may God bless you. And and, and uh, according to Peter Mihalos, you'll hear he's going to tell you you're going to live to be at least 120. We need well, you. I appreciate it, but I want you to know, Mr. John Katsimatidis, all the way you've been a brother to me and you've helped uh, the church and the community, what you've done for this country, and that's why it's called the United States of America. Let's go that way. Thank you, you so much. Thank you. Take care. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Uh, that was a yeah, very uh, emotional, and uh, he, he has done so many great things for uh, man. Uh, the, the, the city, the state, the country, the world, and uh, he raised uh, over— uh, $80 million for St. Nicholas Church, and we had the grand opening of St. Nicholas Church last, uh, uh, what was it, last week. Uh, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come up with another uh, uh, good friend of ours, all of ours, uh, Dr. Peter Michalos, and uh, he's got some new revelations in uh, medicine and science. Let's take that break. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's Frank 
frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno, he's your numero uno. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Well, it's welcome. Good. Oh, go ahead, oh. Lydia. Oh, no. I, I Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show, TGIF. And now we have our Renaissance man, our resident medical genius, Dr. Peter Mikolos. I know everybody wants to live to like 100, but I don't want to be like that no, old no, and wrinkly. The Jews is 118. I, I'm, I'm okay if I get to 85. 85, 90, but I don't know. I, I want to look good, though. That's well, that's the problem. That comes but anyway, to a, a, a chronological age and uh, geological. You know, well, tell us, Peter. You tell us. Well, first of all, I just want to congratulate Father Alex again, who I've known for forty years, who always showed up at the bedside to see the sick and the suffering, whatever hour it was in the middle of the night. A lot of people don't know that about him. So, uh, if we have him praying for us, that'll add another five and a half years. <laughs> but uh, he's a so uh, some of the things that are happening, I wanted to just open up with talking about artificial intelligence and medicine, and that's happening. I'm actually going to attend the Web3 conference on July 18th to the 22nd in the Hampton, the Hampton Tech event, and there's going to be people talking about things in uh, healthcare as well and uh, blockchain and how you're going to have uh, AI computers reading x-rays and reading mammograms and being able to spot cancers sometimes that uh, human beings will miss. And it's going to be used in telemedicine and the communication between doctors and doctors and patients is being transformed by artificial intelligence. And the laboratory will draw your blood in an emergency room and then the AI computer is going to be basically on the wall in a giant screen and it's going to say, okay, uric acid is up, this is up, that's up. I think this is the diagnosis and these are the possible uh, treatments. So I think artificial intelligence is happening uh, as we speak, and one of the leaders in artificial intelligence was actually in the Trump administration, Michael Kratzios, who was the, the director of um, computer science for the whole country, and uh, he is now working on artificial intelligence companies. So we're going to see hear a lot about that, and we'll update people on WABC. The other thing is now we're in uh, the sixth wave of COVID, and as we've been saying on WABC, it's more contagious, a little less lethal, and today New York announced that it wants suggesting people wear masks indoors and if you're outdoors in large crowds because we're dealing with this BA5 subvariant and uh, the, the vaccines, uh, BA5 seems to escape the antibodies generated by having prior COVID and also vaccine antibodies. So the vaccines do help you to give you some immunity to try to keep you out of the hospital, but we're, we're dealing with the, uh, we're not dealing with the original alpha or the delta variant. We're dealing with this new BA5 variant, which now represents apparently 70% of all the cases. And the uh, reinfection rate is quite high. Actually, Long Island has the highest reinfection rate documented now in our area with 7.3 for every 100,000 and Manhattan, 6.9 cases for every 100,000. So we are seeing reinfection. So if you do get it, please get treated right away, especially if you're uh, older, you're over 70, you have risk factors. Go get an IV infusion or get the oral antiviral pills as soon as possible as prescribed by your doctor. And thank God we're in a different place where we have treatments. You know, how scary was it in the beginning? We had no vaccines, no treatments. Thank God for Operation Warp Speed. And uh, in addition, and the current administration is doing a good job of getting out the antibodies and the antiviral pills. So that's been cranked up and geared up. So, Dr. Michalos, this uh, is going to spread around the world. Is that right? Very quickly. It's that infectious? 
Yeah, well, it's uh, highly contagious, unlike the monkeypox, which is a DNA virus, which is not highly contagious. You really have to have close contact. But it will spread around the world, and it's terrible to say, but sometimes I think Sweden had the right thing. They just let it out, let the older people, high-risk people stay indoor, let the young people go to work, let this thing spread, get antibodies, get herd immunity so it burns out like all viruses historically do. They eventually learn not to kill their hotel human hosts, but they learn that they have to become more contagious because they need to survive, and that's the only way they can now, survive. Now, what I'm thinking about is China. China has given up for political reasons on the lockdowns. They don't have natural immunity. They don't have a good vaccine. What happens when this variant hits China? Well, yeah, but they don't talk about it. They do have oral antivirals. They've had something called Fabi flu, which was developed in Japan, and the Russians are using it. As soon as you get diagnosed in Russia, you get Avifavir, which is not available here. It's only five cents a pill. And it does work just like Tamiflu does if you take it the first three days. And it has great data. And I wish we had some over here. But there is a drug if people Google Fabiflu or Avigan, A-V-I-G-A-N. It's being used in like 17 countries, places like Vietnam, Singapore, Turkey. And that's why their death rates are very low. So we, we say they don't, but they, they do have treatment. And it's just some people don't want to take the treatment. But those who take it immediately and block the viral replication because the first five days of the viral replication phase, they're actually doing okay. And uh, it's, it's, not, it's not that they don't have treatment. The reason why they do lockdowns in Australia, New Zealand, is because it exposes the weakness of socialized medical systems where you only have one ICU bed per 500,000 people. So the same thing in California. How did they do lockdowns based on number of ICU beds occupied? If there were a lot of beds occupied, then they would not do it. They would they would do lockdowns. So that's that's how it works. Socialized uh, systems that exposes the weakness, and that's what this virus has exposed and exposed our weaknesses. And that's why healthcare is national security, and we need to produce our own medicines and the components of our medicines and masks and gowns and ventilators. And uh, you know it's got to be made in America. We need another one of those made in America campaigns in this Do country. You mean besides truth, justice, and the American way? Absolutely. And think positive and test negative. That's our motto. And uh, <laughs> we get the news first. That's very good. Peter. 30 days before 30 days before everyone else gets it. And I tell people this too shall pass. Keep calm and carry on. And uh, thank God we're in America and we have people investing in pharmaceutical companies. People keep attacking them. But I tell them stop attacking them because those are the guys and gals who are making this stuff happen, making these amazing miracle medicines. And they're not coming from other parts of the world. They're coming right here in good old USA. And a lot of the great ones were invented right here in New York. Somebody's snoring. Is that you, Lydia? Yes. I haven't slept all night. Oh, my God. Sorry. Well, I was up all night long with the baby, with the kid. Ugh. We're out of time. And Dr. Peter Michalos, thank you. You save a lot of lives by just the advice you give. Uh, Ed Cox, uh, thank you so much for being here today. And, and Governor David Patterson, Lydia Serrano, I feel better. Don't get sick. You know, I'm not going to get sick. I'm okay. strong like bull. <laughs> and, and thank you, Dr. Peter Michalos. And uh, what do we stand for? Truth. Truth, Truth yes. justice, and the American, and the American way. way. And Superman is flying off. I see that already. And thank you. God bless uh, America. And uh, God bless all our listeners. Thank you.